Hello and welcome to Mindful of Everything with me, Agrita, a podcast giving an insight to the minds of deep thinkers, where in each episode I'll be discussing various thoughts and questions deep thinkers often find themselves mindful of, from topics such as climate change to self-development and everything else in between. So, let the journey of mind unravelling begin now. In the previous part of this episode, I talked about the social injustice that developing countries are experiencing because of the climate crisis that developed and wealthy regions have caused. And I finished off the first part of this episode by looking at the African Anthropocene and how elements of the Anthropocene is affecting Africa in perhaps the worst ways possible. And Africa has now become essentially the forefront of the climate crisis. I started talking about the issue of air pollution and how most people think that air pollution is just an industrial nation issue when in fact Africa, African cities are actually experiencing high levels of air pollution. So I'm going to continue on from there. I think that the generic perspectives of society throughout the world is really influenced by powerful institutions, especially the media. Linking back to this problem of air pollution, our perceptions on air pollution are really warped because we think that it's just an industrial nation issue because, of course, the more urban a place is, the more emissions they will produce. But that doesn't mean that it now just becomes a developed country issue. And I think that the media has a big role to play in how we perceive urbanisation and things like air pollution. The media just rarely or just basically doesn't cover the smog in African cities. Whenever we talk about smog, we think about places like New Delhi and Beijing or just any other wealthy city in a developing or highly developed or nearly developed region or country. Because media just covers those places, media doesn't really want to cover the smog in African cities because society now just believes that smog only occurs in developed regions, in wealthy regions. It can't happen in somewhere like Africa because Africa is just totally rural, right? There's only villages there and even if there are cities, they won't be that urban that they'll be affected by smog, right? Not just media, but also science research pays very disproportionate attention to the issues of air pollution because there's just a lack of quality data on air pollution and air quality in African cities, mainly because there is an absence of monitoring devices. But really, it's just partially true. A lack of coverage and also research is just basically to conform to this issue that Africa is just rural. And if you start showing the public research about how air quality in Africa, African cities, is so bad and how air pollution is affecting them, people just won't believe it because everybody has this image in their mind that Africa is just full of villages and that is it. Even if they have cities, they won't be as thriving as a city in the US or a city in Australia. So to conform to that image of Africa... There's just not enough scientific research going into the problems that Africa is facing in terms of the urbanisation. And also media just don't want to cover it because people just won't accept it. 
But of course, that's a major flaw because there are lots of things in society that we accepted and we saw that they were normal. We saw them as the norm. And people have now destroyed those norms and people are continuing to destroy norms. So why not about this issue? Why doesn't the media cover the ongoing issue of air pollution in African cities? And why doesn't research increase in terms of air pollution and the effects of the Anthropocene on the continent of Africa? So how bad is this problem of air pollution in African cities? Just to give you a comparative example, Lagos Air has 13 times more particulates than London Air. And we already know how bad London Air is actually at this moment. And Lagos has 13 times more particulates than London Air. So the problem of air pollution not only exists in African cities, but it is a major, major issue. Just like how the air quality in Beijing or any other Chinese city is, and just how bad the air pollution in New Delhi or any other industrial nation city is. The air pollution in African cities is massive, and it's a massive, massive problem that the people in those cities are experiencing right now. There are, of course, many factors as to why African cities are seeing this rapid rise in air pollution. And like I mentioned at the beginning of this section of the African Anthropocene, one of the major issues is that the rate of urbanization in Africa has now become the highest in the whole world. So of course, they'll be experiencing this much amount of air pollution and they will be seeing air quality decreasing because of the rapid rate of urbanization. And again, the way in which the urbanization is occurring is not sustainable. This is because Africa is just majorly dependent on energy sources like coal and wood and they are just very, very emission intensive fuels. They release very toxic fumes and for people living in informal settlements that don't have access to electricity, they have to depend on energy sources like coal and wood because of course they'll be the most cost effective but it's going to be affecting their health massively and because informal settlements in African cities are just increasing because of the rate of urbanization increasing so much it is becoming a major major problem and it's causing the air pollution that African cities and the residents in those cities are facing right now. Yet the research and the media coverage for the air pollution in Africa is just so limited because of this idea that Africa is entirely or mostly rural. But you can imagine the evidence is tangible. You are basically able to see the amount of air pollution that's occurring in African cities and the residents that are there, they're able to see it and anybody that would be going to African cities, they will be able to see it. Not somebody that's living across an ocean but somebody that's actually there seeing the amount of air pollution that's occurring in African cities. There have been accounts of residents of Port Harcourt in Nigeria complaining about the smoke getting darker and denser, and that was late 2016. The issue could be worse right now. And those residents were complaining about them coughing up black phlegm in the morning, and also black powder was covered in their food and their homes, They also had burning sensations in their throat. They were literally wheezing whilst going to work. Many also actually went to social media and used the hashtag StopTheSoot because it was just so bad and they wanted media to cover it. They wanted people to realise how bad of an issue this has become. It was, of course, helpful in some sense, but 
the suit is still there, you know. Social media is definitely great to pressurise media companies and governments to realise that, you know, there's things like this going on. But you need mass media coverage. And that is exactly what Africa and African cities are just not getting. One hashtag won't help them. We need to spread awareness of the issue even more. Like, I personally find it really scary just hearing that people coughing up black phlegm. That's not normal. If we were to cough up black phlegm right, right now, we would think we have some sort of disease. We would think we're dying. Those people are now just thinking it's just normal because that's how it's going to be. But that's exactly how it shouldn't be. And that's exactly how it won't be if we realise that urbanisation and the negative impacts of urbanization, like air pollution, is actually affecting African cities. And we break this idea that Africa is not urban in any way, and is just full of villages. Because it isn't. Africa has a lot of cities that are rapidly becoming more urban. And the way they are becoming urban is not sustainable. So we need to raise our concerns about this. Because this is affecting the livelihoods of people in Africa. This is a living example of the social injustice of climate change. Not only is Africa depending on emission-intensive fuels like coal and wood because of the informal settlements, another reason why Africa is seeing this very high level of air pollution is because the continent has just very relaxed regulatory limits. So fossil fuel companies are of course taking major advantage of this. And just to maximise their profits, they create fuels that are cheaper to create, but of course they'll be polluting much more. For instance, many fossil fuel companies actually create high sulphur amalgams of diesel. So the amalgams they make of diesel and sell them and people use them for fuel for their cars, just transport in general, it contains high amounts of sulphur. And the problem now has become so bad some amalgams that people have found, it contains 630 times more sulphur than European diesel. So the diesel that the EU and Europe in general is permitted to use, some places in Africa are using diesel amalgams that have 630 times more sulphur than European diesel does. Once that diesel is burned, we all know what will happen and that is exactly what is happening in African cities. They're experiencing all of this air pollution because they have such relaxed regulatory limits to how much they can emit. And that's exactly why places like Lagos have 13 times more particulate matter than London. So not only the fuel that African cities are depending on contains such high amounts of sulphur and is just so bad for the environment once it's burned, there's another really big social injustice involved in this. And I remember learning about the African Anthropocene um, in my first year of uni. And I read this article that I put, I'm going to put on my website. And this is where I got all the information from. And I saw something that really felt so betraying. And I felt so angry when I read it. So not only is Africa using diesel or just fossil fuels that contain high amounts of sulfur... Basically, any vehicle that doesn't meet European standards in terms of emissions, so if a vehicle is emitting too much, any of those vehicles that are not meeting European standards, all of those vehicles are just sent over to Africa for people to use. 
So instead of stopping their production completely, what vehicle companies are doing now is that if any sort of vehicle that they produce is not meeting the standards of wealthy countries, just send it over to Africa. Let them use it. Let them use it and let them pollute their own country. Who cares? We're just going to make our profit. And so they keep on making those vehicles that are probably cheaper to make compared to ones that do meet the European standards or just wealthy nation standards. They're getting that profit from making those cars and they're letting places like Africa pollute the entire continent. They're letting that happen. And of course, places like Africa are not as developed as wealthy countries, wealthy nations. So they'll use those cars, they'll use them. I just think that's so disgusting. Not only have wealthy nations and countries started the climate crisis, we are now deliberately shifting the consequences of climate change and climate crisis onto places like Africa. We're pushing it all onto them, thinking, it's okay, if people are coughing up black phlegm, if people are finding it hard to breathe in Africa, it doesn't matter, so long as people in Europe and people in America aren't facing the issues related to those emissions, it's fine. It's fine. Who really cares about the developing world? That is exactly what these industries are doing. It's just crazy. It's crazy. Because these industries have absolutely no idea that sure, you're sending those cars, you're sending those vehicles that produce so many emissions to Africa. And of course, it will be affecting them much more at this current time. But climate change is not something that's affecting one country or one continent. It's affecting the entire world. And if you continue on producing those vehicles that are emitting so much, it's all going to come back to us. It's all going to come back to these wealthy nations. And we're already seeing it. Extreme weather events aren't just affecting developing worlds. It's affecting wealthy regions as well. And this is just a prime example of how industries have valued profit over people. And that's exactly what we, the people, the public, need to break into. We need to tell these industries that you can't produce vehicles like this and send it over to Africa. You need to stop producing them entirely. Just this nasty mindset of profit over people by industries has actually made some researchers and writers change the name of the Anthropocene to Capitalocene. Just because global inequality has actually been amplified because of the cheap nature of capitalism where industries and massive companies have valued profit over people and have easily exploited societies that aren't as developed as the societies they are in right now. And these companies have fooled places like Africa to make them continue to support their capitalist ways because the people of Africa and the people in developing regions, even people in wealthy regions, believe that they're gaining something from supporting capitalist regimes like this, when in fact, we've all just become slaves of these corrupt capitalists. We think we're gaining something when we give our money for products from industries like this, from massive industries like Amazon or these car companies that I just talked about. We think we're gaining something from them, when in fact, we're just feeding their nasty mindsets of profit over people. But it doesn't have to be this way. It really doesn't. We, the people, have massive, massive power. And I've said this again and again. We need to stop underestimating 
our power as consumers, as the public. Because think about it this way. If we stop supporting big companies, they're just going to go bankrupt instantly because it's us that's supporting them, that's giving them that revenue, that's giving them our money so they produce those items and give them to us. Whether they produce it ethically or or unethically, it doesn't matter. But we need to realise that we can't become their slaves. We can't. We need to show these companies, these industries, that we care about the planet and we aren't going to be supporting corrupt regimes like this. And we just need to realise and understand the extent to which Anthropocene is impacting the health of Africa. We need to understand that the urbanisation that's occurring in Africa right now is so unsustainable. And we need to help Africa. We need to help them realise that they need to raise their regulatory limits. Africa plays a massive, massive role in society's present and future. For instance, Africa actually contains 60% of the world's uncultivated arable land. And Africa is also the forefront for renewable energy like solar power. Essentially, the answers to mitigating climate change lie in the African continent. And we need to understand that and make Africa understand too. So the two parts of the developing world that's affected by climate change and the climate crisis that I've mentioned so far are fishing communities and Africa as a whole. The next part I'd like to go into is females. Females in the developing world. Female inequality has been an issue that has affected society, of course, females immensely. And it's still affecting females today whether that's the developing world or the developed world. And when climate change comes into it, female inequality has shown to be increased, has shown to be amplified because of climate change and the consequences of the climate crisis. 70% of the world's poor are women. 70%. And just like how I said, the developing world and poor countries, poor regions, are at the forefront of climate change. And if 70% of those poor are women, are females, clearly this is affecting females much, much more than it is affecting men. So yes, the poor are at the forefront of climate change, the climate crisis. But because 70% of the world's poor are women, that means that women are on the forefront of climate change, of the climate crisis. It's women that are mostly affected by the impacts of climate change. The UN has predicted that 250,000 climate-related deaths per year will occur between 2030 and 2050. From malnutrition, malaria, diarrhea, heat stress, the list goes on. And the worrying thing about this is that Females are usually the last to be rescued. Just because females in these developing regions are not taught how to rescue themselves. They're not taught the techniques on escaping natural disasters and extreme weather events. Just to give an example, most females in developing regions are not taught how to swim just to protect their modesty. They are told that their modesty is above their safety. And so... If a flood, for instance, comes, the men can easily swim and perhaps reach to refugee centres or to centres of aid. The women, they stay in their house. They stay there and 
they'll most likely drown just because they're told that their modesty is above their safety. So females are the last to be rescued. They face greater safety risks and have to take on increased domestic and care work because they have their children to look after and because they're usually told to stay at home and that is all they've learned. The capability of females in developing regions to bounce back after natural disasters is very low. Because of how females are treated in these developing regions and this climate crisis has just made it worse for them. Not only do they already face inequality because of their gender, but because of this climate crisis that developing nations have created, that inequality is now amplified for them. It's become even worse for them. Females are usually, and still are, the primary caretakers for children and also the elderly, whether that's in developed or developing regions. On average, females still do take care of children more than men and of the elderly more than men do. And so any climate change related issues like childhood asthma due to increasing pollution or displacement by extreme weather, women will have to deal with that at a higher extent to men. Just think about it. If an extreme weather event affects a developing region, not only does a woman have to leave her house and find another place, she has to take along her children and also the elderly just because she is a primary caretaker, just because she has a responsibility of taking care of the family and not the men. That adds so much stress and pressure to females in developing regions where natural disasters like hurricanes occur or droughts or any other extreme weather event. They are forced to not only take care of themselves and make sure they get to a safer spot, but also the vulnerables that depend on them, the children and the elderly that depend on them. And to make matters worse, once females and children are displaced because of climate change related issues, they are subject to violence, to harassment, to rape. They are subject to violence because of climatic events that have been induced by human activity that is sourced from wealthy nations. Natural disasters occur, that's why they're called natural, but the frequency and intensity of which they occur has been massively impacted by anthropogenic climate change and because of that, women and children are now being subject to violence and harassment, even rape, because they've been displaced from the safety of their own home, from the safety of their own communities. Stats have shown again and again that during and after natural disasters, sexual violence increases massively. For instance, in 2011, after two tropical cyclones hit the Taft province in Vanuatu, there was a 300% increase in new domestic violence cases. New domestic violence cases. I basically have no words for this. Not only is a climate crisis that has been caused by wealthy nations have completely shattered the lives of people in the developing world, but it's also worsened the livelihoods of females in these developing regions. Females in these developing regions are already experiencing so much inequality and violence and disregard. And climate change, the climate crisis, it has affected them even more, made them subject to even more disregard, even more violence, 
even more inequality just because wealthy nations value profit over people. Just because wealthy nations haven't yet seen what climate change can actually do to the world. Just because wealthy nations are so selfish when it comes to economic growth. Just because wealthy nations have become so developed that they don't care about the developing world. This impact of the climate crisis on female inequality is not just affecting the developing world. Even in the developed world, people that are living in poverty in developed countries are majorly women. For instance, in 2012, 5 million more women than men in the US were living below the poverty line. Meaning those women will most likely be earning hourly wages. And so during natural disasters, when a lot of labour is lost, because of the disasters, instability for those jobs that have hourly wages increases because, of course, jobs with wages have less secure positions compared to salary earners. In addition, two-thirds of the minimum wage earners in the US are actually women. So, of course, women are going to be impacted much more financially than men by a disproportionate amount. And that leads on to the fourth part of society that is majorly affected by the climate crisis, that is not part of the developing world, but is still seeing the consequences of climate change, just because they aren't as rich as the others in the same developed country, and that is the poor of the developed world, the financially unstable of the developed world. This has been said time and time again, Much of the polluting infrastructure that is built is in communities of colour, of working families and of the poor. So all these polluting infrastructure like the power stations and manufacturing warehouses and stations, they are built in communities of colour, working families and the poor. African Americans are three times more likely to die from asthma-related causes than white Americans are. Nearly half of Latinx live in countries where air quality doesn't even meet the clean air standards. Indigenous communities are also very affected as well, such as the Navajo Nation. They have uranium residues in their water because industries are so close to the Navajo Nation. And this uranium that's in the water affects around 54,000 Navajos. And that's only one tribe. There are many, many other tribes that are affected by this, by this pollution, just because they are the ethnic minorities and just because they're seen as weak and unimportant for society, just because they're seen as insignificant because of their ethnicity, that these industries decide to plant those power stations right next to their communities. So if this isn't another living example of the social injustice caused by climate change, I don't know what else is. Communities of colour are the most vulnerable to climate change. They are the ones that are living in the most fire and flood prone areas in the world. Many of these communities don't even have insurance to protect themselves if a natural disaster happens. For instance, Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans displaced 75,000 African Americans and shattered the community of the region to the point that they have never fully recovered. 
and the population has just become smaller and poorer. So not only is climate change affecting the poor of the developing regions, but it is also affecting the poor of the developed regions. It's affecting the ethnic minorities. It's affecting the people of colour, just because their lives are seen as insignificant compared to the non-ethnics. When research has shown again and again that it was never the poor that have contributed to climate change. It has always been the wealthy. Giving the UK as an example, the wealthiest 10% of UK households in 2019 were responsible for 10 times more carbon emissions for international aviation compared to the poorest of households in the UK. The same wealthiest households emitted seven to eight times more than poor households just for personal transport. So we can see how disproportionate the contributions to climate change are, as well as the impacts. Yet we're all trying to be told that we need to limit our emissions equally, when the contributions have never been equal, and the impacts of the climate crisis have never been equal. So why is it that every single one of us are told, you need to reduce your transport usage, you need to reduce your airplane usage, you need to reduce your food emissions? when majority of the public don't even contribute that much to climate change compared to the wealthiest of households. I really think that we do not have time to start blaming each other, for less wealthy people to start blaming wealthier people for this climate crisis. We don't have time to be pointing fingers at each other. We don't have time for that. What we need to do now is realise where the most emissions are being produced from and how we can limit that how we can reduce that significantly so other people across the world don't have to suffer because of our selfish needs. And yes, like I said, I don't believe in blaming people and each other. But the truth is, the wealthy are the ones that need to do the most for this climate crisis. The wealthy need to reduce their consumption heavily, their transport heavily, their emission intensive activities heavily. Every single person needs to reduce their emissions. Of course everybody needs to. It's a global issue. We all need to. We all play a part in contributing to climate change if we're in the wealthier regions. But the wealthiest need to do tons more. And that is the truth. And it's not about me blaming them. Like I said, we don't have time to be blaming each other. But the fact is a fact. The wealthy need to do much, much more. And that is exactly why I keep on saying we need to continue to challenge these governments, these industries, and make them realise that we won't be supporting you and your corrupt capitalist ways if you keep on destroying our only planet. So I've talked about how climate change has become a social injustice through affecting females, through affecting Africa as a whole continent, through affecting fishing communities, through affecting poor regions in developed countries. And now I just want to go on to a section of society that's basically affecting everybody when it comes to climate change. And that is mental health. When we talk about developing regions, the developing world, you can already imagine how their mental health is being affected by the events related to climate change. So all the traumatic experiences that people in developing countries get from stuff like extreme weather events caused by climate change and everything else related to that. So I already touched on stuff like this. Displacement, female harassment, destruction of homes, death, 
All of these are impacting the mental health of people in developing regions. You now have terms like climate refugees and climate migrants. In 2018 alone, 17.2 million new displacements were directly linked to natural disasters across 148 countries and territories recorded. Droughts in Somalia, Afghanistan and other countries displaced 764,000 people just because of climate change related events. The World Bank has even predicted that by 2050 there will be approximately 140 million climate refugees or migrants in sub-Saharan Africa, Latin America and South Asia. Other sources even claim it to be, in fact, over a billion. Being a refugee because of the climate crisis, of course I'll affect your mental health and everything else related to migrating. All of the hardships that come from displacement will affect the mental health of people in that region. Suicides of farmers in places like India are increasing because of the prolonged period of drought that is occurring in places like India. As an Indian myself, I have constantly been told that suicide numbers just keep on increasing for farmers because they have no idea what to do about these effects of climate change. They don't even know what climate change is, yet they're the ones that are seeing the effects of it. The water crisis has become so bad in India that 21 of India's 29 states can actually hit zero groundwater by next year if nothing is done to help solve the water crisis happening in India right now. 21 out of 29 states and of course the poor are going to be affected much more than the rich. The wealthy will find a way out of this. They will because they have the money and resources like I mentioned before. But farmers, what are they going to do? They rely on groundwater. They rely on water sources near them. And because of the prolonged periods of droughts that are happening in India, farmers commit suicide because they have no idea what to do. And the mental pressure and the physical pressure too becomes too great for them to even carry on their lives. For the developed world, Our mental health is being affected in perhaps many ways. For instance, we are now having to think much more about what we're doing and how it will be impacting the planet. Wealthy people need to think about it. It shouldn't really be affecting their mental health. But for people like us, the public, it does affect our mental health. It certainly is affecting mine. Where I have to now think so many times about buying something because I'm scared about its impact on the planet. If we just produced environmentally friendly products from the beginning, we wouldn't have to even think about these things. And the public wouldn't have to even worry about these things. We have to now worry about plastic in basically everything and how it will impact the planet once it's disposed of. But really, I actually want to talk about one part of the mental health of wealthy region residents. And that is having to now think, should I even be having my own children? when the climate crisis has become so bad. Movements like birth strike have actually occurred, are occurring right now, where people have just declared that they don't even want to have their own children because the climate and ecological crisis has reached to such an extent that they can't even imagine of bringing children into such an unstable world. Having more than one or two children is now seen as unethical because of course the more children you have, they will grow up and increase the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that are emitted into the atmosphere. Science has shown that having one less child in a developed region can save about 59 tonnes of CO2 per year. 
Compare that to living car-free, for instance. You only save about 2.5 tonnes of CO2 per year, and avoiding just one flight only saves about 1.5 tonnes of CO2 per year. If you just don't even have a child of your own, you can save about 59 tonnes of CO2 per year. Lots of people have said to me, and even I have thought about this at one point, that wealthy people don't even have that many children, you know? It's more of the developing world world's issue. It's, it's their problem. They're having tens of children. The wealthy aren't having that many children. Of course I was wrong, and anybody that said that to me was also wrong. The emissions that a child living in a developing world emits compared to a child living in a developed world emits, the difference is massive. For instance, a Bangladeshi child only adds 56 metric tonnes of carbon to their parents' lifetime of carbon footprint. Compare that to an American child, they add 9,441 tonnes to their parents' carbon footprint over their lifetime. 56 for a Bangladeshi child, 9,441 for an American child. So if a family in Bangladesh wants to have 10 children, that won't even impact climate change. But if a family in America wants to have two or three children, it will heavily impact climate change. So why don't we just stop blaming the causation of climate change on overpopulation because developing regions keep on having more children? And why don't we just realise that it was never an issue of overpopulation? It was always an issue of having too many rich people in this world. That is the issue. We have an overpopulation of wealthy in this world. Not the poor, not the people that don't have enough money to be emitting high levels of greenhouse gas emissions. The problem lies in having too many rich people in this world, or at least the wealthy that keep on producing emissions through high emission-intensive activities. It was never an issue of overpopulation, ever. It has always been an issue of overpopulation of the rich, of the wealthy, of those people that commit emission-intensive activities on a regular basis. And coming to mental health, for someone like me who has always thought about having their own children, just seeing these articles on the birth strike and people saying how it's so unethical to bring another child, another human into the world, especially for people that are living in wealthy countries, for me that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for me. I'm having to sacrifice my right of having children because somebody else ruined it for me and for many other people that want their own children but now are so confused about whether they will be unethical if they bring another child to this world. I'm having to sit down and think, should I sacrifice my right to have a child because wealthier people and massive industries are not doing anything about the climate crisis? And it's not just about bringing another child into this world that's going to pollute even more. Because I can raise my child to make them understand the climate crisis and I can help them reduce their emissions greatly, including myself. But the issue now is about raising a child in this unstable world. Is it unethical to just bring a child into this world that has become so messed up? Like, should I be doing that? So really, it really has affected my mental health. There's not been a single day where I think about having my own children, but then think, oh, I'm so selfish. I'm so selfish for even thinking I want my own child. When there's enough people in the wealthy countries that are polluting so much, and my child will just add into that. 
even if I tell them to limit their consumption and to limit their use of transport. When I'm not even the one that is emitting that much. I don't go on holidays that much. I make sure I don't buy a lot of products just because of the emissions related to the transport for them. I'm thinking so much already and now I'm having to think about sacrificing my right to have children just because powerful, wealthy people don't want to do anything to reduce their impact on the climate, to reduce the rate at which anthropogenic climate change is occurring right now. I'm having to sacrifice my happiness and my rights because of those people. So really, we the public, we have been betrayed by this. We have been betrayed completely. We have been made slaves to corrupt capitalist schemes. We have been made victim to the greedy needs of the powerful and wealthy. The public is now being told to have a more plant-based diet, to use public transport more, to reduce usage of airplanes, to not have that many children, to do all these things when the public is not even the issue. It's the wealthy industries. The wealthy people that are the ones that are flying around every single day in their private jets are having so many children that also contribute to climate change, are wasting so much food, going to all these lavish restaurants and resorts that are using so much energy just to power them. They are the ones that are emitting so much yet we the public are being told to improve our lifestyles. We have been made victim to this and we are being told that we are the culprits. When in fact we never were. So just to sum up today's episode. Climate change is no longer an environmental issue. It is a social issue. Because we are part of the environment. We are part of this planet. And even though this climate crisis has been caused by the wealthiest and most powerful people on this world. Or that used to live on this world. The most vulnerable are being impacted. And are being put on the forefront of this climate crisis. Places like Burundi, who have basically zero emissions per person, are being forced to face issues like malnutrition and extreme weather events when they have no input in this climate crisis. African cities are being disregarded when it comes to issues like air pollution because those issues don't affect places like Africa. It only affects places that are industrial nations. Females in developing countries who already experience so much inequality, are being pushed to the very front of this climate crisis through displacement that makes them subject to sexual abuse and neglect. And the developed world is no different because people that are less wealthy than the wealthiest in the developed world are being told that their lives are insignificant by pushing them into regions where power plants and manufacturing plants are, so that they suffer from the pollution, because their lives didn't mean anything anyway. The public throughout this world is being told to do so much to reduce their emissions when they weren't even the reason behind the emissions today. If governments and industries and organisations even cared a little bit about the world, they wouldn't have created things like plastic that will pollute the entire world. If governments, industries and organisations really cared about the planet, they would make sure that vehicles that didn't abide to their standards wouldn't be sent to places like Africa so they can suffer and those big companies can gain profit. If governments, businesses, 
industries really cared about the planet, they wouldn't have even caused this climate crisis that is affecting the safety and well-being of women around the world. And if these wealthy and powerful people really cared about the planet and about humans, they wouldn't be pointing fingers at the public and saying, you need to reduce this, this and this because you are the reason behind this climate crisis. Not us, but you, the public. I have come to the end of my series about why climate change should be a priority. And just to sum it up, the three main reasons are 1. Making climate change our priority will solve the issue of air pollution in this world, which is affecting every single part of society, whether that's the developed world or the developing. Reason 2. Making climate change our priority will help solve the issues regarding agriculture and the food emissions that directly link to climate change and directly affect the rate at which climate change is occurring right now. And reason number three, we need to prioritise climate change because it's no longer an environmental issue, but rather a social issue, an issue that's affecting the most vulnerable of society, the people that don't have that much power or wealth But let me tell you one thing. Sure, the public don't have as much power in terms of making decisions and policies and implementing laws. Sure, the public don't have as much wealth compared to all these big organisations. But let me tell you one thing. We, the public, have immense, immense strength. Immense, immense power. The power has always been in our hands. It's up to us now to make these organisations and industries that continue to pollute the only planet we have, that is over for them. It's over for them until they realise that they are the ones that are continuing on this climate crisis. And it's them that needs to stop. And we won't stop. We won't stop raising our voices until they hear us. Because we, the people, have always had that power. Thank you for listening. I hope you've gained a little more insight to what it's like to be mindful of everything. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on your favourite podcast app to be up to date with episode releases and go over to my website mindfuloveverything.home.blog to get more information. This is Agrita with the Mindful of Everything podcast and I shall see you next time.